Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord God, we come to you this morning thankful that you are faithful to us. Thankful to be in your house again today. Thankful, Lord, for your mercy, for your Son, for that sacrifice. Thankful to be able to sit around the table and remember the gift that you have given us. Lord, as we walk towards that resurrection weekend, may our hearts be focused on you. May today, Lord, be the first day in a new way of living, a new way of doing things, a new way of life. May as we hear your word and sit around your table, we be reminded of those areas that need some adjusting. Not because you want to punish us, but because you want what's best for us. And if we're honest, those things that we continue to struggle with get in the way of what's best for us. You desire for our lives to be focused on you so that we can live the best life. But our brokenness gets in the way. Lord, as we spend time in the next coming weeks looking at those areas in people's lives that are broken, that get in the way, that cause struggles, I pray, Lord, that you'd reveal to us our struggles. That, Lord, it would, it's easy to look to our left and to our right and to realize that someone else hasn't gotten it figured out. And it's so hard to look within ourselves and realize that we too don't have everything figured out. And so, Lord, I ask that you would open our hearts to that this morning. That the words spoken, that the conversations we have, that your word, most importantly, reminds us of where we stand with you. In your name we pray. Amen. The scripture this morning is out of Exodus 32. And it's a story you may have heard. I'm, I'm not going to tell you probably a story you haven't heard. Uh, we're going to go to verse 19, not 24, but that's okay. You can, you can read the whole chapter if you'd like. Uh, it's God's people being God's people. So when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come make us gods who will be, go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. Aaron answered to them, Take off your gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what, what they handed him and made into a, an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. 
So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people, whom you brought out of Egypt, have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I had commanded them, and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it, and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that, I may, that my anger may burn against them and I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it is with evil intent that he brought them out just to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Moses turned and went down to the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. The tablets were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, There is a sound of war in the camp. Moses replied, It is not the sound of victory. It is not the sound of defeat. It is the sound of singing that I hear. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them into pieces at the foot of the mountain. May God add his blessing to the reading of the word this morning. Lord, the juice is still on our lips. We're reminded of that sacrifice that was for us. That love that took it to the cross. May we live our lives in reflection of that love for us. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good job. Guys are good listeners. So, we're working our way towards the cross, towards the resurrection. If you don't know what I'm talking about, we're working towards Easter. I just want to clear that up. So one of the things that, um, that I wanted to do this year was, uh, and one of the things that we tend to do in this time, is to reflect upon those Areas in our life, maybe that uh, aren't all they should be. And I know none of you guys would do this, but I do this. I tend to get in autopilot, right? I get up, 
I make the coffee. A lot of times I don't even remember making the coffee. I drink the coffee. I get dressed. I get my keys. I go to work. I come home. I go to bed. I get up the next morning, and what happens? I make the coffee, right? Amazing. I don't forget to make the coffee, but sometimes we quickly get into this autopilot in our faith walk. We spiritually get connected in this well, as long as I read my version app that makes me read one verse a day at 7.45 in the morning, you know what I'm talking about, right? Those of you who have that app, at 7.45 it goes off, right? And it says, hey, read this verse. And if you read this verse, you're good. We tend to quickly get in autopilot in our faith. And I think it's really good that at this time of the year that we take some time and really begin to focus and take a look at these areas that maybe we need to make some adjustments. There's a scripture uh, in James that says, Do not miss, merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks in a mirror and has pizza all over their face and walks away and doesn't clean it off. Right? That's not what the scripture says. That's my version. I don't remember the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. It says, someone who looks at their face in the mirror and after looking at themselves goes away and forgets what they look like. That's autopilot. That's when we get in autopilot. When we just go and we do our same thing. You know, did you ever go and you realize you get to work and you're like, Wow, what's wrong with my hair? Or <laughs> Larry, yeah, Larry. <laughs> it's a quarter inch high, Larry. I don't know how messed up it can be, but I appreciate it. <laughs> we continually do that in our lives. We're, we are um, creatures of habit by nature, right? We get in a habit, and it's a good habit, and then we, it always tends to get into where it just becomes autopilot. To the point of when we read our 745 app and we forget about it. We read it. I did it. So I look at my thing and it says I got 37 perfect days. Yay me. But I couldn't tell you what I read five minutes before I read it or after I read it, right? So there are areas in our life that we need to address. And I think there's some reasons why we don't. Sometimes we're not aware of those areas that we need to address. Like we just go through life not realizing um, that that's an issue, right? Maybe we never read a verse that says we need to be anxious for nothing and so we get anxious because we didn't know. Or maybe we come to the communion table not having cleared up those issues with our relationships because we don't know that God says, listen, if you have an issue in a relationship, Leave. I don't want your sacrifice at the altar. Leave and take care of that relationship and then come back. Because you need to be right with others and then be right with me. Maybe we don't know that. Sometimes it's, it's just ignored, right? And we call that our person. I call that my personality issues, right? It's just who I am. I'm just a bit rude. I say things I shouldn't say. I get road rage. I know none of you get road rage. I'm the only one. I drive too fast. How's that, 
No, I want to drive fast and people get in front of me, Ken. Or ignorance to the problem, like we don't realize that it causes us a problem. Let me give you an example, and it's going to come back up in the, in, further in. Let me give you an example, being angry. We don't realize how harmful being angry is to the people we're angry towards and to ourselves. It unsettles us. It takes us to that point where we're like, have you ever had the shakes? When you've gotten so frustrated and angry with something that you've had the shakes? About 15 years ago, I had a group of kids that I took to a YFC volleyball tournament. I may have told you this story, but it re- I'll never forget it. I, we were getting ready to leave. We lost, and we're trying to get our kids home, and we walked in the back edge of this court. And this other youth guy, leader, starts screaming at the kids. Get off the court! We're playing! You know? and, and all of a sudden, instantly, I'm thinking, I wonder how fast I could choke him out. That's what I'm thinking. I'm not, I'm, I mean, it's just like, bam! And I literally start, the adrenaline kicked in so bad, I started to shake. And I'm like, all right, guys, let's just get out of here. And I realized that's not the right response. But I chose not to, you know, it's one of those things I wasn't dealing with my anger at that time. And I just was all of a sudden, boom, it was, I was about to explode. Thank you, Lord, that I've worked on some of those anger issues. And maybe the last one is the hardest one. I know I need to work on this, but I'm scared to do it. I know that this issue in my life is getting between my relationship with God. It's getting between my relationship with others, and I'm afraid of how to get from here to there. Right? I hope you saw the wheelbarrow in the back. Did you see the wheelbarrow in the back? Dave was back there. Thank you, Dave, faithfully offering stones to the rest of you. So they're not to be thrown at me, okay? Oh, I know. Those aren't magic stones, by the way. I don't want you leaving here thinking, hey, I got a magic stone at church today. It fixes all my problems. They're not. They are symbols. So they mean nothing more than what you attribute the meaning to. But they are symbols and signs. And in the back, I thought about putting the cross up here, but I knew no one would put their rock at the, at the base of the cross if I put it up here. Because that would be like, holy cow, someone's going to see me. So I made it easier for you. The cross is straight out this door. And you'll see at the bottom of the cross is some, already some from Ash Wednesday. And as we work through this Lenten season towards the cross, and God reveals those areas in your life that need to change. I don't know if you can write on them. I bet you could write on them with a pencil. But you don't have to write on them. Because it doesn't really matter. You'll know. But if God reveals something that needs to change in your life, and you know full well that it needs to change, I challenge you to leave it at that cross. Someone on Wednesday night said to me, I have the stone in my hand, but I'm not sure I'm ready to drop it yet. What do I do with it? Don't throw it in the pile. You'll give it to someone else. Goodness. I said, take it home with you. And if it sits on your counter for two or three weeks, I'm betting that it'll remind you of that thing 
that one area of your life that you need to begin to work on. The stones are nothing but marble landscaping stones, right? They're nothing but. But they do remind us as symbols. And as we look, we are going to spend six weeks looking at these different passages that talk about stones in Scripture. Today's Scripture is all about written, being written in stone. And I just looked at the time and I almost fell over. If you were at Ash Wednesday, you're going to be like, hey, I think I heard some of this before. That's because the pastor can't read his notes very well. And he didn't realize that he jumped a week ahead. And then when I got done Wednesday night, I realized this is really important and I need to share this on Sunday because not all of you were here. So if you were here on Wednesday, you needed to hear it twice. Or this preacher needed to hear it twice. <laughs> that might be the problem. So this morning's passage is a really interesting spot in Scripture. Um, the, the spot in Scripture is we jumped into the middle of the story. And what happens before this story is God takes His people from Egypt and He takes them out. You remember that, right? Um, if you, the Ten Commandments is coming. I'll be on uh, TV here in a couple more weeks, I promise. Uh, that shows the story from a different perspective, but it is a pretty scriptural. Um, but God was taking His people out of slavery. He took his Israelite people. He said, listen, I got a better deal for you. I'm going to take you to the promised land. They're like, yeah, that's good. Sign us up, right? And so they get out of the slavery into freedom. And they're headed, well, we, we jokingly said it was a three-day, Ron said it was a three-day trip to go from Egypt to the promised land. Does anybody know how long it really took them? Forty years. My buddy used to say, around the rock we go again and again and again. I can't figure out how they didn't get unlost but they get out and they're like yeah god good job god thank you for saving us you spared us our demise which is what would have happened and god says listen i want you to be my people this is my paraphrase if you go back to like exodus 24 and you work your way through you'll catch a lot of this um he says i want you to be my people but we got to make a deal and they're like, yeah, we want to be your people. You just took us out of Egypt. You took us out of the struggles and the trials and the problems. And we're going to shake on this. And God says, listen, I got terms though, right? You never buy anything that doesn't have terms, right? We have a contract. If you're going to buy a car, there's a contract. And that contract is what's going to uh, be said or what's going to happen. And so they... So God gives them what we call the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20. And He says, here are the terms. Here's what you need to follow if you're going to be my people in ten easy steps. Right? That's, that's what, literally, that's what's going on there. He said, here's what I need you to do. Thou shalt not have no gods before me. Thou shalt not murder. Don't covet your wife, your neighbor's wife. All those, you know those, well, I don't know them all off the top of my head, but I could get you them. And here's what they say in Exodus 24, 3. All the words in which the Lord has spoken, we will do. That's pretty easy, right? Whatever you said, God, we are good with. You took us out of Egypt. You took us out of that slavery. You have freed us. You're going to give us a place to live. It's going to be full of milk and honey. It's going to be awesome. Heaven on earth. And so you know what, God? We're going to follow that plan. 
we are good with that idea. God says, okay, sounds like a deal. Send Moses up on the mountain. Send Moses up on the mountain, and uh, we're going to write this on stone. Right? We're going to write this on stone. He's going to have two tablets, the Scripture says. He goes up, he talks with God, and he's going to have these uh, two tablets. And the Scripture that we looked at today says they were inscribed on both sides, front and back. Tablets were the work of God. The writing was God's, uh, the writing of God engraved on those tablets. I don't know what that looks like. I don't wonder what God's writing looks like. It's probably pretty nice printing, right? If you look at pictures, we always see this like perfect font. God says, here's what you need to follow. He gives them these two tablets and he says, listen, take these back down. And as, actually, they're still up there and what happens? What happens while Moses is still up on Mount Sinai? It's where we started the scripture this morning. It's been a few days and Moses ain't coming back. Obviously, he got killed. Or he left, or he found a different group to hang out with. Moses isn't coming back, Aaron. So I got a plan. Aaron thinks of this great plan, right? Aaron's the second guy, second in command. He says, I'll tell you what we'll do. He's trying to appease these people. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll make this nice calf, this golden calf. And that'll take the place of God. Well, that's not what he says, right? If you didn't notice, Aaron does this waffling thing. He tries to appease the people. And then he jumps to, but tomorrow we'll have a festival for the Lord. Capital L. Right? So Aaron's stuck in the middle. And he must, obviously, he's waffling a bit in that. And so God's people so quickly break their promise. They've broken their promise. The promise was, listen, we're going to follow you, God, and the very first commandment is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And they build a calf. A golden calf in which to uh, take sacrifice to the altar. It doesn't take them very long. And so Moses is bringing down this inscribed uh, tablets. That, and I'm thinking they had to be pretty thin, right? Because I'm not sure Moses was a big enough dude to carry big, heavy tablets, but I don't know. He carries them off the mountain. As he's with God, God's like, hey, uh, you need to take care of your kids, right? That's what he's saying. Hey, uh, there's a mess going on down there. Uh, you got yourself in a pickle. They've already uh, forgot about me. Why don't you go take care? And did you notice that God ha and Moses has a little bit of conversation there? Did, I don't know if you caught that. God's like, uh, Moses, go take care of your kids. And, he's, and, and what does Moses respond? Don't kill them because they're your kids. If you read it carefully, he's like, these aren't mine. I didn't take them out of Egypt. You took them out of Egypt, God. And it would be sad if you took them out of Egypt only to kill them off. Did you catch that Moses wasn't going to get killed either way? Moses was all right both ways because God said, listen, I'll just smite all of those and we'll start over again. We'll clean the slate except for Moses and we'll start all over. And Moses says, God, these are your people and it would just, 
of course, he uses it, right? He says, it would look silly for you to take him out of Egypt just to kill him. And God says, get out of my face. Go back down and take care of your problem. And the scripture says, God relents. Does God change his mind? He doesn't fulfill that desire to take them out. Although he desires to take them out. That's not the first time he did that in the Old Testament. And as Moses is going down the hill, he's getting closer. And what does he hear? Here's Joshua, yeah. What's the noise? Did you see that he says, music, yeah, it's a party. The party's going on. He's like, I don't think this is a victory, right? If it was a, if, he says, this wasn't a war that they were victorious while I was gone. Because then I've been whooping and, and uh, hollering that they had won the fight. And he says, it's not a, a sound of defeat, which what would a sound of defeat of losing a battle sound like? Wailing, right? Crying over lost people and, uh, and being punished and hurt. He said, no, it sounds like a dance party. There's a party going on. And Moses, obviously, not a happy camper. And he gets down and he sees what's going on. He sees God's people sacrificing and dancing and having a festival around this calf. Probably a pretty awkward moment for him and Aaron. Uh, as he's like, you had one job, dude. And in the midst of that, he has the tablets. And it says, as soon as he saw, got, came near the ca- uh, camp and saw the calf and the dancing, he became enraged. He hurled the tablets from his hands and shattered them at the foot of the mountain. Smashed in a million pieces. Smashed God's words engraved in stone by God's own hand. Smashed in a million pieces. Did you see Moses' anger? I don't know if you noticed this. My wife reminded me of this. Encouraged me to think about this. Moses had some anger issues. This isn't the first time Moses was in trouble for his anger. Remember when he was supposed to uh, not, not strike the rock to get water? It was after, yeah. But, it would, yeah. but he has a pattern of anger, does he not? Yeah. <laughs> he has a pattern of anger. He responds when he gets frustrated in anger. And I bet I'm not the only one who struggles with anger in this room today. That may be what the rock is that you have in your hand is for. That may be what the rock you have in your hand is for. See, I think with anger, we don't really recognize how much damage we do to others. We don't realize the damage that we do to ourselves and our relationship with God. Because it quickly takes over and it consumes us. Just like when I was on that volleyball court. At that moment, I could have lost it right there. 
And it would have surely been a pretty sad situation when I made the news for starting a fight at a youth ministry event, right? Those anger issues get in the way of our relationship with God. So there was a moment, I'm sure, it doesn't, Scripture doesn't explain it out, but once Moses had thrown those down, and it says they shattered all over the base of the mountain. I guarantee that people began to relent of their sins. And as they began to relent, they went over to that spot where the shattered tablets were. And what would they have done? They would have tried to pick them up. And they would have found a piece of the rock, similar to the rock you have in your hand. It would have uh, half of a... Uh, Roman numeral one. And they would have gathered all those stones together doing one with one uh, idea in mind. To try to figure out a way to put them back together. Kelly said on Wednesday they didn't have super glue. I think he's right. It would have been hard to get them together, right? The reality is they wouldn't have been able to find all of those pieces. Shattered all over the ground. I challenge you even at this moment to, to take that rock you have in your own hand and to think about that moment where the Israelites were there picking up those pieces. Picking up those pieces, realizing their sin had got the best of them. That they had promised to follow God with everything they had and so quickly broke that promise. It didn't take very long. That's really the kind of people we tend to be, is it not? And they had two choices. They could say, sorry God, and do it all over again. Or they could turn from one direction and not do it anymore. See, they broke God's heart in the midst of this. He was so frustrated with them that he wanted to take them out. But what's really cool in this story is that love won, did it not? God relents his anger and frustration at his people and he spares them. And for us this morning, he spares us. Right? We sat around the table, and it's a joyous opportunity to remember that that sacrifice was for each one of us. That God's love is so big that even though we did those things to break relationship, he found a way. He sent his only son to die on that cross, to live a perfect life and then die to be raised again for our sacrifice, for our sins, for our problems. What a blessing that is. Let's pray. Lord God, we are so thankful that even in our brokenness, Lord, we, each of us come today with brokenness. 
Some of us, Lord, are better at hiding it than others. Some of us, Lord, still deny that there are struggles. But Lord, we're reminded that each of us and every one of us have sinned. That all have fallen short of the glory of God. That we all need a Savior to come and rescue us. Lord, it's amazing to watch Your hand in our lives And Lord, to reveal that brokenness and yet put us back together. Lord, I pray this morning for anyone who has no relationship with you or hasn't even made that attempt, doesn't really understand what that means. Lord, I pray they wouldn't leave this morning without having uh, to begin that and talk to someone about having a relationship with you. That Jesus died on that cross for them. That, Lord, it's not about how many things we can do or the rules, but rather this loving relationship of a God who cares so much for us. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. In your name we pray. Amen.